All characters, events, and companies in this show, even those based on real entities, are entirely fictional and do not represent reality. At all. And there's no implied messaging. That just, that, that doesn't even make sense. There's no truth to anything portrayed in this show, especially not in the way we portray companies or corporations. And to believe otherwise, well that wouldn't make you a very good observationist. And that's what real journalism is all about. The truth. And clickbait. But mostly the truth. And the truth is profitable. So, give me money. <laughs> you wouldn't want to not give me money, right? Previously on... Hooters Juniors. We're here today to announce that we've officially hired some new officers. Congratulations, Officer Host. As police officers, we deal with a lot of domestic violence. Not on the job, just in our own personal lives, you know? I had only been on the job for a week, but it felt like I had been playing this role for a lifetime. Hey, McProudly, what's with those double lightning bolts tattooed under your eye? That's just my astrology symbol. Gemini! There's something about those proud grown boys that creeps me out. Like, they're not talking about astrology at all when they're talking about astrology. Now that you're a cop and in the 1% of the 1%, we like totally respect you. How's solving Durgan's murder going? Durgan's what? How could I have forgotten about solving Durgan's murder? But that's when I realized I hadn't been in contact with assistant reporter all week since sending him out to interview Jensen. It was the Turgid County Fair. Come on, host. A, a little fun won't hurt your chances of finding your friend that's probably dead or will soon be foreshadowed as having died. That clouds Whiteface. I can't believe our pureness is being discriminated against like this. Yeah, manager, get your ass out of here right now. Well, what seems to be the problem, y'all? Jensen? Coach, take the shot! You killed McAdderall Methylonatrate! I, I killed Durgan's wife? McAdderall Methylonatrate wasn't no woman. She was a concept. A concept for addiction itself. Assistant reporter. Me and Jensen been on a clear binge all week. How'd the interview go? W what interview? Oh my god, a, a kangaroo? An army of Australians made their way into what was now a battlefield. We ran to Durgan's grave. Why didn't you have to die? That grave sounds hollow. The more we learn about this town, the deeper the hole gapes. You're listening to Hooters Juniors, the Durgan McFlurkstang story from Sad Picture Productions. I'm your host, host, episode 6, Supreme Bogan's Greatest Hits. What is this place? I don't know, but I have a feeling it's more than what it seems. As we walked down the stairway, a large cavern was revealed, and the doorway we had entered from closed behind us. LED party lights lined the ceiling of the cave, revealing storage racks full of computers, liquor, prepaid burner phones, paint thinners, costumes, and thousands upon thousands of lockpick sets. Fog machines lined the walls, making this place extra spooky. I wondered, was this the coal mine that McToothskin had told me about just prior to his death in episode 1? Or was this part of the tunnel system Durgan had built long ago? The one going from Hooters Juniors to the Horsewell Vodka plant? Or both? If it was, why would it lead here? To Durgan's grave of all places. Why was there a cavern under Durgan's grave at all? None of it made any sense. 
And then, we heard the sound of whistling off in the distance. Shh, we're not alone. We tiptoed past the storage racks and came upon a giant laboratory of some sorts. There were rows upon rows of tables, and atop them, storage bins holding flasks, beakers, and graduated cylinders. And to the side of that, buckets. Buckets full of red phosphorus, aluminum, and lithium batteries. Large industrial fans line the ceiling, pushing the byproduct of whatever was being cooked here to the surface. I didn't know why, but this all felt so familiar. And that's when it happened. From behind plastic strip curtains walked in a figure, wearing a yellow hazmat suit, holding a tub full of pseudoephedrine packets. It was all clear now, crystal clear. This was a lab cooking up, well, clear. That's when I decided to pull my gun. Stop! Right there! The figure froze, staring me down through the darkened shades of a full-sized respirator mask. I'm an officer of the law! Put down that tub! Oh, gimme gimme. Not yet, assistant reporter. The figure dropped the tub full of pseudoephedrine. Now I'm not here to arrest you, but this is a civil asset forfeiture. There's a war happening outside, and I need to have a clear head. <laughs> Get it? But really, I don't want any problems. Just give us the clear, and we'll let you leave. I can't do that. What? I can't do that. Wait a minute. Take off that respirator. Well, gosh dang it. And then, the flesh behind the figure was revealed. Wait. What? Oh my god. It's Today's show is sponsored by Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club makes it easy to shop for all kinds of grooming products, more than just razors. Dollar Shave Club offers top shelf grooming products for bald, gay, and the French. No matter how you groom yourself, we can help. But don't call us groomers, we're just facilitators. Dollar Shave Club, premium grooming products without the hassle or hidden fees. DollarShaveClub.com, now back to the show. It can't be. It's... It's... It's me, boys. Ghost, ah! oh, wait! Fucking fire, you duvalek! It's me, it's... Durgan? Yes. But, but how are you alive? I, I mean, I saw your body torn to shreds. Oh, host. It's a little thing in the industry we like to call holograms. A hologram? I should have known. Yeah, you should have. So, so anyway, here you being house. Durgan, what? What? How? I don't even know where to start. What do you mean? Durgan, I, I thought you were dead. I've been spending months investigating your murder. I spoke at your funeral about all the great deals Stamps.com has to offer. I risked my life going to Australia. Oh, seems you're a little bit confused, aren't you, house? Well, maybe I should start at the beginning for you. Would you like that? Would you like a little explanation for your little brain that can't seem to comprehend such a simple course of events? Should I put it in a podcast format for you? Need me to line out the thesis for this whole story? Yeah. Yeah, I think that would help. Well, it all started with a young, good-looking mate from the big old AU back in the 1980s. The golden era of music. Flashback, flashback, flashback. Dude, Alec, if it looks good on you, Wait, wait, everybody stop, everybody stop. 
Let's let's check that again. Try it in three, four. Crime. I said crime. I love it. Crime. Yeah, it's crime. It's crime. I'll steal your wallet. It's crime. I love to love it. It's crime. Well, it's always time for one more crime. Crime. Grand theft. Yes, crime. Tax evasion. Crime. I stole my bandmate's wallet. Wait, hold up. Can I help you with something, mate? Hey, uh, I'm here for the audition. Oh, an American. Ain't never been there before. Well, just in time. What's your name? Uh, the name's Kaczynski. Ted Kaczynski. Oh, well, all right then. What, what do you play, Ted? I, uh, I play the trumpet in H minor. Oh, perfect. We've been looking for a little scar to our step. Well, well come on. Uh, let's get down to the beats. The upbeats, I mean. And down to the upbeats did we get. Our little group Supreme Bogan played our hats out every night at the Sydney Opera House. That was until things got a little too crazy. Comparable to V for Vendetta You know that scene One where he's naked Standing in the wake of change Behind that fiery wave Boy, he's just a black figurine well, yeah, that's basically me. Duvalaki, 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 Thank you everybody, thank you, thank you. Supreme Bogan, Ed for the night. Good on ya, good on ya, good on ya. Fair dinkum on that one, my best performing group of the century. Oh, thanks, Mr. Record Producer. But listen, I've got some amazing news. Oh, what's that, mate? Hear me, boys and girls. I'm going on tour <laughs> to the United States of America. Yes! Oh, you hear that, Ted? We're going to be playing you home. Yeah, I heard. Oh, what's the matter, Ted? A little nervous for digging to crime his way into your little hat, are you? Uh, listen, Durgan, I don't think I can do it. Why? What? I love playing with you guys. It's so great to finally have a community and a real purpose in my life. I I've never had strong convictions about anything until now. But I left America for a reason. A reason I can't speak about. Well, can I read about it? Yeah, sure. Here's my manifesto. Industrial society and its future. Hmm. <laughs> I'll give this a read over. Okay, Durgan. And that's when my life changed. Forever. Ted, this is downright the funniest thing I've ever read. This is absolutely, hands up, the greatest work of satire ever written. Wait, 
What? I mean, are all the points about obedience limiting free will and people becoming slaves to the system and technology? Oh my god, brilliant. I mean, I don't get all of it, there seems to be a lot of iffy parts, but what a spectacular piece of comedy. Is, is this what America's actually like? Y you know, not like all the socialism in Australia and constant threat of death from giant spiders, snakies, and crocs. Uh, yeah. Wait, you're telling me people just slave their lives away for... for nothing? Cause they just don't have any other choice? Yeah. My god, I've... I've got to see it for myself. And so we left Ted behind and made our way to the States, where I, for the first time, was able to experience the effects of the industrial society and bear witness to its great future. Supreme Bogan toured from coast to coast, city to city, playing our hearts out, stealing wallets at shows, and acting like music wasn't just a front for our self-absorbed tendencies. And while I originally thought it would just be a fun little experiment to take part in your society, it wasn't long before I found myself questioning everything about my own. Because I saw something here, host. Something I hadn't seen before. I saw people suffering, barely getting by, watching their government fight for the rich while they themselves waited to die. I saw violence, big and small, in a prison industrial complex that accepted all. I saw an education system utterly incapable of teaching anyone anything about anything aside from the boots and a patriotic duty to lick them. And when we traveled through the Midwest, I saw an entirely different culture with the same exact problems that would continue on into the future. I saw politicians from both sides, from the cities to the countrysides, convincing their constituents that the problem was anything but the rich white guys. I saw a crack addicted daddy place his baby up for sale while old Mr. Rockefeller got on his boat to set sail. I saw pre-French revolution sized wealth gap stay out of mind where the poor little serfs debated the genitalia of some potato guy. I saw the hot Hospitals fill up with sick little tykes whose parents never caught their breath between the day shifts and the nights. I saw the school districts misusing their funding, blaming it on the teachers who were already underpaid but now overwhelmed by the fear of school shootings. I saw a world of wealth worship behind your country's eyes and for someone like me, that was my own personal American pie. It was then on one dark and stormy night traveling through the thickness of the Colorado Aspens that we found ourselves lost, lost in the very place that I would eventually find myself. We waited out the night in the tour van, and when morning came, we found a small child, no older than the cooks locked behind the steel walls of Hooters Juniors today, begging for a single piece of bread to help feed his family. Being Australians, uh, we felt the best course of action would be to, you know, beat that child and his ego down into submission, uh, mentally and physically, a and that's exactly what we did. And because we were all hungry ourselves, uh, we then took him hostage and used him as leverage to steal anything his family might actually have. Everybody dead or the boy gets it. I'll shoot him. I'll do it. Don't tape me. Please don't hurt us. Please. A baby boy cash maker. No, please don't. Zip toys. With your billables. However, their pantry and fridge were barren. Their bank accounts non-existent and their precious family heirlooms, well, after pawning them, only gave us enough to fill a quarter tank. But their child's family's limbs were steady and their minds were susceptible. They were desperate for work, and they let me get away with anything. And it was in that moment 
that I saw true opportunity, because you all had rules. You mean like the law? Yeah, and I ain't subject to no laws of man, and thank goodness your people were able to recognize that, because I, I would have had a mad fit the size of a dozen angry crocs if they ain't had. But what was so special about America was that your citizens were subject to those laws, and that I wain't. We ain't had nothing like that back home. Crime was always the way of the present, the past, and the future in the big old IU. Yeah, I never realized that until I stepped foot there. <laughs> you have to be a cop to live like that in America. Exactly, uh, but I didn't. <laughs> I'm a simple man. Just a good old slave into the wages is enough for me. As long as I also own every living soul. But how'd you get the money to open a restaurant in the first place? Host, uh, don't you get it? Being rich isn't about how much you have. It's about the happiness you get from being able to commit crimes legally and the resulting money that just somehow ends up in your pocket. I took that building that became my restaurant. I took the children who became me cooks and I made the rest of me riches from taking so much more until I needed more than that, which obviously required me to globalize my criminal strategies and hire wages to do me work for me. But why couldn't I do that? Why couldn't I run your businesses like you? Oh, Russian annex Crimea river host. Though I think highly of you, you gotta face the facts, mate. You weren't born a criminal. In Australia, I mean. And so you'll never be a justified one, unless you're a cop, of course. But e even then, you know that has its own limitations in the old US of I. Yeah. I guess you're right. Anyway, I decided to murder me band because it was always my band and I didn't want them getting any smart ideas like the one I had and I didn't want no trace left behind for any other Australians to follow in me footsteps. So one by one, I poisoned them, strangled them, fed them to the pigs and ate their dicks. The pigs, you mean? Well, I'll never tell. <laughs> I destroyed the two of us and lured Ted back to the States where I framed him for a bunch of a crime, so I, but I got away with it, because again, no laws for me, only for thee. And yes, as I said, I took control of the town. I took the real estate, I took the businesses, I took the taxes, I took the government, I took the men, I took the women, I took the children, I cooked the dogs in the kitchen, I took the air, I took the skies, I became a god, and there was nothing anyone could do to stop me, not even me, I am a god. Uh, okay, Durgan, but, but then, how are we in... This right now, you know, with you living underground, uh, alive, when everyone else thinks you're dead. Because then I met you, host. Me? A host? The host of a number one podcast? Leave a five-star written review? Yeah, you, host. Five stars. You see, before I met you, the only thing I loved in this world was money. And drugs, of course. And a few other things. Look, listen. The point I'm trying to make is... That I didn't love no sentient beings before I met you. And and I still don't, but w what I did learn to love was your ability to exploit the living through a podcast. Your podcast. The number one podcast. Yeah, that's right, host. For you, it wait no financial exploitation. I mean, you benefited financially, but you weren't taking no monies from no victims. You were able to exploit them for something else. Something I've never seen possible before. You took their deep feelings and sense of reality and exploited that for your personal gain through an audio medium that brought you money. You're truly an artist, but instead of painting with a brush, writing with a pen, or shooting with a gun, although you definitely seem to do the last one a bit much, you mowed down your written paintings in a school bus full of children with a microphone. 
a microphone that said, Hi, my name's Host. Host of the number one podcast. And that, it truly is. You were able to not only exploit victims of violent crimes and their families and friends, but exploit society for everything it's got. You were able to swindle the best of America by entertaining them with the most gruesome of crimes while getting paid, I might add again. Purple Mattress didn't just decide one day, Oh, let's go exploit the hell out of these people and make their suffering our profit. You decided that, and America listened. Wow. They really did, didn't they? Now you've got copycats all over the place covering your case files, like crime junkies who just ask this generation why. It's amazing, it's inspiring, and I knew that you deserve the most exploitative case that could have ever been covered in a podcast format. Wait. You deserve to eat your cake and have it, and eat it again, but also have another. Are you saying... You needed something that proved you were the top of the top. Something that could not be denied. An objective statement stating it's a fact that you are... Wait... Host. Host of the number one podcast. What? You see, it all came to me on a dark and stormy summer sunny day. Durgan... I would orchestrate my own murder, the best murder, a murder truly exploitable. It can't be. And I would put you on the chase of me coattails, the best tales, a tales to be told through a podcast. Durgan, what are you saying? Host, I'm the one who... Ever wanted to know what happens behind the scenes of your favorite podcast? Well, now you can. Introducing a new podcast from Sad Picture Productions, HJ's In the Alley Behind the Restaurant. Get insight from Host and his journey into the bile of America. Hear personal stories and meet your favorite cast and crew while learning how to cook a delicious meal with HelloFresh. Listen to wherever you listen to podcasts and download the Hooters Juniors app for live show announcements, updates, and data collection. Now back to the show. I'm the one who murdered myself. To, to make... To make this podcast your podcast. The best cast, factually. I thought I already was the number one podcast. Yes, host, but uh, that's a difficult title to hold. Now, you'll never have to defend your title as host. The host of a number one podcast. You're the best cast, and no one can ever take that from you now. (laughs) Unless, I guess, they somehow do. I'm... I don't know what to say. You don't have to say nothing, host. Except that you love me. I'm the best. I'm better than you. I'm basically a god walking among sheepies. Wait, but why'd you leave me all the money in your will if you were alive this whole time? Host, I'm a criminal. <laughs> but but I've already tapped out most of the major crimes I could commit around here. Wait, what? Host, I gave you all that money, my money, just so that I could steal it right back. And I did. Check your bank account. Oh, wow. You really did take everything I have. That's... A weight off your chest? I know. Sure, I I guess. It's not exactly what I was gonna say, but yeah. So what happens now? Well, I I always knew the AU was gonna invade someday. Didn't think it'd be this soon, though. Wait, you knew? Of course I did, host. (laughs) Always gotta play both sides. But... But, but why are they even invading? Well, House, I I suppose there's a lot of reasons. But uh, obviously, the most important one is... They could. That's... that's... that's criminal. Exactly. Oh, yeah. But also, I knew because the writing was on the wall. What wall? The hospital walls. You see, there's a reason Australia's got free healthcare. Yeah, of course. They're criminals. Well, yes, but but it used to be a completely ethical for-profit system. That was 
Until Major Spidey showed up. Major Spidey? Oh, she was a good one. <laughs> that one. 318 stories tall with enough poison in a bite to kill an entire generation of people in seconds. Oh my god. The only way Australia could survive was by making healthcare free and forced. But what about all those poor profits? Those profits didn't deserve that. Of course not, host. And that's how we got right to where we are now. What do you mean? You see... The only way the AU will be able to sustain itself and live a happy and healthy future as all corporations, sorry, countries deserve, is by forcing their free healthcare onto others. Wait. Someone's gotta pay for healthcare. I mean, you can't just nationalize or subsidize insulin production and sell it for the exact price of materials and labor used to create that medicine. Yeah, uh, okay, I, I get it. Y you've got to force other corporations, I mean countries, uh, because they're totally not interchangeable with one another or anything. Y you've got to force other countries to pay for that healthcare. Exactly, host. So, this is all about free healthcare? Yes, but don't you dare think they'll just limit it to that. Next thing you know, they'll be forcing other corporations, sorry, I did it again, I mean countries, to nationalize and subsidize and freely give out food, water, housing, hell. I bet they'll even make mental health care free someday. No, they couldn't be that evil. It's the truth, host. And you knew the whole time this was gonna happen? Why didn't you do anything to stop it? House, I've spent my entire life fighting this future. I hate progress. What? The only way to beat a socialized system is to become an even more profitable business. Of course, I love making me a little wagey slave away, but I didn't do that just for fun. I mean, I did, but I also knew it was the only way to stop this de-evolution of society into a socialist Mad Max-styled hellscape. It all makes sense now. Of course it does, house. Like I said, I'm totally like a god among sheepies. So... What do we do now? Well, it sounds like the shooting stopped. How about we go up and start ourselves a little revolution? Well, if I'm not the host of a number one podcast... But you are. Exactly. I'm so glad you didn't die in the best way possible for my podcast, Durgan. I mean, it, it would have been really profitable, and now that I'm out of money, that, that would have helped. But I, I'm glad to be here with you. Let's go start us a revolution. And so we made our way to the surface. Bodies littered the streets and the stench of smoke filled the air under a blackened sky. Viscous had been torn to shreds, and all that was left was silence. Only the wolves held for justice now. We made our way to the Turgid County Fair to see the last of what remained, and that's when we heard a voice. A cry. A whine. They're all dead again! <laughs> Pastor McGrath of the Lord! You survived, somehow, uh, again. Why me? Why always me? <laughs> Pastor, what happened? Well, as soon as the Australians invaded... Oh, hey, Durgan. They started shooting every living thing that's been spending their beautiful money here. But... But... <laughs> But what, mate? But, but they didn't expect how much the proud grown boys truly hated immigrants. Oh, yeah. Those proud grown boys fought their hearts out, shooting every foreign thing they could possibly shoot. B but again, those ruse. Should have seen it coming. 
Them nasty roos are vicious creatures, let me tell you. And, and the roos tore their heads from their bodies. In the end, they were just heads, but, but the proud grown boys were able to fight off most of them before their truly gruesome and totally undeserved demise. Who else made it out? I'm, I'm not sure. I hid under the bodies of my congregation as they seizured out from the poison I dug gave them. And you forgot to calculate out a cup for yourself again, didn't you? Yeah, the Lord do take it with without remorse, and justifiably so, but I think I heard some of the other viscous people talking about going to Hooters Juniors and hiding behind the steel doors of the kitchen for safety. Well, they better ain't be delaying them boys cooking. I'm sure they recognize that. They won't let those boys wage theft you. Wait, that sounds like uh, Officer ACAB. ACAB, where are you? Host? Host, is that you? I I'm over here. Oh my god. I looked down to see a mangled officer ACAB melted into the side of the mostly destroyed Ferris wheel. His eyes hung from their sockets, and his bones were exposed to the air. The horn of a plastic unicorn from the merry-go-round had penetrated one side of his torso and come out the other. It was clear he was probably done for. ACAB! What happened to you? Those ruse, I tell ya. But, but also the dingoes. And I guess the Australians as well. What a vicious battle. But thank goodness for those proud grown boys. The Australians truly underestimated how much those boys hated immigrants of any kind. Them boys really did put up the fight of their lives. The end of their lives, that is. I tried to help. But in all the madness, I slipped on some Vegemite and ended up being melted here to this Ferris wheel. We've, we've got to get you out of here, Acab. Eh, you still have so many acts of excessive force to release into the world. No, host. That's just wishful thinking. No, no, we can find a way. We'll sew you a new uniform that fits you in this Ferris wheel, and, and the unicorn could be your new police baton to... to... <laughs> it's okay, host. It's my time. You know... I've always been a self-hating cop who just couldn't stop themselves from beating down on the poors. And in living that life, I have experienced much grief over my values and compulsive need to commit violent acts. Maybe now, I can find peace in myself alongside the horn of this corn. But hey, Cab! Host, you have to let me go. There ain't no murder to exploit here. There ain't nothing left to hold on to. It's my time to go. It was then that Officer Acab's final breath came. His eyes retracted back into their sockets, rolling to the back of his now exposed skull. I held his hand, kissed his rotting forehead, and gave him one last act of mercy by shooting him in the face to make sure he was totally dead. And just then, the clouds above us cleared, the smoke in the air dissipated, and the sun shined brightly down upon us. Oi! Feels nice to finally be out in the sun again, yes? Yeah, sure does. While the battle for Viscous had been fierce and hundreds of bodies had been left in its wake, I could tell the future was going to be totally rad. We had beaten the Australians. Sure, there were still murderous kangaroos and dingoes roaming around the outskirts of Viscous, but free healthcare wasn't showing up anytime soon, and because of that, we would all live on for ages. Fiscus would live on for ages, as the town that took on the oppressors, for the oppressors, and won.
All that was left to do now was, well, rebuild. And so that's what we did. We found most of the surviving residents behind the steel doors of the kitchen at Hooters Juniors. Somehow, they had been able to access the kitchen before the Australians annexed the restaurant, and were able to lock themselves in from the inside. The Australians were able to tear down most of the restaurant, but there was no way they were getting into that steel box. <laughs> oh, you dumb bogans. I didn't die! Oh, no way! <laughs> oh, look! Uh, hey, it's Host! Oh, yeah! Host! Host of the number one podcast! You guys made it! Sure did, everyone. It's especially great to see you made it, Dan. I knew when I saw them wolves chowing down on some ruse that something had to be going down on in Viscous. But I never expected no Australians to try and oppress the people of Viscous, except Durgan, of course. Whoa, uh, what are you guys watching on the TV? Oh, it's that crime dog show, <laughs> you know? All right, gang, today we're learning about profiling. Here's a few mugshots. Can you find the criminal? That's right, everyone, it's- Wow, I, I bet ACAB would've liked this. I know he would've, host. I know he would've. Do you know what the letter D stands for? That's right. The myth of due process. You know, if I didn't know much better, I'd say this whole crime dog show being acknowledged ain't just a random scene in your podcast, but some kind of storytelling technique to foreshadow or point towards an event or characters that might appear at a later date. Almost like a Chekhov's gun. Uh, though, to be honest, I'm not sure what that is because I ain't never read no book. Oh, Dan. It almost sounds smart if you weren't so poor and dumb. Wow, Durgan, it, it seems like people are taking you coming back to life pretty well. No one's even questioned how you're still alive. Well, it ain't the first time, host, and it certainly won't be the last, let me tell you. See, uh, right there, uh, that's more foreshadowing, right? Why else would he don't say that? Dan, shut your mouth before I shut it forever. S sorry, Durg. Host, you know what time it is? N no, I, I don't have a watch. It's time to build viscous. Not rebuild it into what it used to be. No, this time, we're gonna make this town the most efficient company town that wages won't ever be able to make enough money to escape from. A town built on the backs of people forced to break their backs. A town with the highest interest rates, highest inflation rates, and lowest paying jobs. A town that says, welcome to Viscous, and good luck getting out. Yeah! Wait. Do you guys hear that? Hear what, Mike? Listen, we moved to the windows and that's when we saw it. In the distance heading straight towards the ground. What, what is that? Looks like a bomb to me. Something that was planned to fail from the beginning. It looks like... Forced Medicare. Everybody, get back into the steel box! House, get into the... And that's when everything changed. Again. Hooters Jr.'s The Durgan McClurgsang Story is a sad picture production. If you would like to support us or gain access to exclusive content, visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash Hooters Jr.'s. That's patreon.com slash Hooters J-R-S. To get in contact, send an email to fuckyousuemi at hootersjuniors.com. Hooters Jr.'s is created, written, and edited by hosts Co-written by Cameron's Tax Guy. Produced by Cameron's Tax Guy and Trent C. Rollins. Executive producer Trapper D. McBlackfoot. Voiced by host and a bunch of unnamed expendable wages. Fuck em. 
To learn more, visit HootersJuniors.com. Real truth is a crime.